0: Let's open our Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 22. 1 Kings chapter 22. Anyone listening to this sermon or viewing it on our website, I encourage you to look at the psalm for July twenty-fourth, two 2016, so you can hear Chris Carnell present Psalm 83, because it's worth your time. Amen. And it will give you a new psalm to love, and you'll be able to understand the whole thing because it is summarized very well about the sovereign God that rules and crushes and turns into dung international conspiracies. I hope that you did not spend very much time watching the pep rally in Cleveland this past week. I've been told that every elementary school in Greenville County is going to have similar pep rallies come September. It's as far as I can go, although I'd like to go a lot further. I want to show you another convention. Amen. <laughs> yep. Amen. I've taught it to you before. Yes. I want to show you another convention, and I want you to compare the two in your mind and I want you to answer which convention determines the next four years of this country's history. Right. Here's the convention. First Kings 22, verse 19. Micaiah the prophet, hear thou therefore the word of the Lord. This is Micaiah telling you how things really work. This is political science 101, most of which we're taking from Daniel 4, but we need this convention. I saw the Lord, that is God Jehovah, I saw the Lord sitting on his throne. That means he is king and he's reigning. You say you're reading too slow for me. Get used to it for this passage. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven standing by him on his right hand and on his left. Those are the angels of God. He is the Lord of hosts in Hebrew into English. He is Lord Sabaoth, Lord of hosts. He is not Lord of the Sabbath. Though he is indeed that. He is Lord Sabaoth because he is the captain and general of the armies of heaven. And that title is used for him throughout the Bible. That the innumerable company of mighty beings called angels and archangels and seraphim and cherubim are the host of heaven and the army that he directs. They're standing on his right hand and on his left. This is a convention. And the Lord said, Who shall persuade Ahab, he was a king on earth, that he may go up and fall, that is to die, at Ramoth-Gilead, which was a place of a battle? And one said on this manner, and another said on that manner. One angel had one idea, another angel had another idea. And there came forth a spirit and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. And the Lord said unto him, wherewith? And he said, I will go forth and I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And he, that is the Lord, said, thou shalt persuade him and prevail also. Go forth and do so. Now therefore, behold, the Lord, God Jehovah, hath put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these thy prophets, and the Lord hath spoken evil concerning thee. Amen and amen. Amen. That is a convention. I want you to compare that holy convention of Almighty God and His holy and elect angels with that pep rally that took place in Cleveland. Can you envision right now the television camera panning that audience with the one that's in heaven from 1 Kings 22? There is no comparison. Right. Right. Amen. When it says that man was made a little lower than the angels, Cleveland was not included in that definition, or the word little would have been removed. This is how America's history is determined For the next four years, the God of heaven sits, and he calls the host of heaven together, and then they execute it. Praise the Lord. Let's turn to Daniel 4 and get through Daniel 4 and go home. Daniel chapter 4. I want all of you to realize that what goes on around us, do you know how much attention has been paid? And do you know how much security was purchased? And do you know how much talking heads have talked about this convention before it happened and while it happened and after it happened. But who wants to talk about this one? We do. We like these kind of conventions. And they are still taking place. Mm -hmm. And they take place and they affect so many different things. The men of this church over the years, and don't let me get too far off track, but we like to think about Dunkirk. We love the Battle of Midway because we can look at those events and see the providence of God arranging for victory by a military that shouldn't have the victory. Midway was six months after Pearl Harbor. Six months only after Pearl Harbor, the United States dealt a destructive blow to the Japanese Imperial Navy. And when you read the details about it, or you'll watch the details, if you can't read anymore, then you can find out the the different circumstances that took place, including weather, incredible weather, that God manipulated, God moved, God used for the benefit of the eventual victor. And on and on we could go. Why was Hitler sleeping under a heavy dose of sleeping pills when there were 340,000 of the British Expeditionary Force marooned at Dunkirk, France with a panzer division sitting there ready to just grind them right into the sand? They wouldn't have stood a chance. They'd have killed every single one of them. They all got to fight another day. And the churches of England were filled with people praying and everyone that couldn't pray was rowing a rowboat to Dunkirk from England to get all 340,000 and bring them home. On and on, events like this take place, and you say, what in the world were the Germans thinking? They weren't. (laughs) I think we had a psalm last Sunday, Psalm 76. They couldn't find their hands to set the alarm, let alone pull a sword, or to drive a panzer. On and on. Lord, it's all in your hands. It's all in your hands, and yet you are of infinite wisdom, so that we make our choices intelligently and by our own the motives of our own heart, but you confine us and you restrain us and you direct us, so that all the wrath of man praises thee, and the remainder of wrath you restrain. What is a watcher? We were there at Daniel chapter four and verse 13 in Nebuchadnezzar's dream, which he is now recounting to Daniel. He saw a watcher and an holy one come down from heaven. This was one being. Because it says in the next verse, He cried aloud. This was a holy angel. They're called the holy angels. This was a spirit. Like we just read in First Kings 22. This was an angel that watched in political matters. Like the princes, which is the word used for them in chapter 10. That I read to you before we ended the first assembly this morning. A watcher is an angel involved in political affairs that watches those affairs and is involved in them. There are good and bad angels opposing each other in the political choices of nations. And the perfect will of God is executed at all times. We know about slaughtering angels. Ezekiel chapter 9. We know about a slaughtering angel. 185,000 of Sennacherib's Assyrian army were killed in one night. We know about saving angels that walked into Herod Agrippa I's prison in Jerusalem and opened that thing up and kicked Peter in the side, and Peter was chained to four quanturnians of soldiers. Sixteen Roman soldiers were chained to Peter. The Lord just likes odds like that. Who would even think of chaining sixteen men to one apostle that didn't believe in violence against government? You know what I mean when I say that. But he kicks him in the side and says, get up. All the chains fell off. The doors opened of their own accord. And he walked out in the street and said, what happened? I guess an angel just delivered me. Let's go visit a prayer meeting. And you know the whole story. Acts 12, it's wonderful. We know both kinds of angels. They're ready always to obey God's orders in any matter. Psalm 103 tells us that. Who governs them? The Lord Jesus Christ. Let's get to the interpretation. I'm going to read a long passage now. From 19 through 27, this is Daniel explaining the dream to Nebuchadnezzar. Now it's going to tell us that Daniel was astonished for one hour. Daniel couldn't talk, wouldn't talk for an hour because he was totally overwhelmed, bewildered, and astonished by the interpretation of that dream. That this king that he was standing before, that had the power of death and life in his lips, He was about to tell him, you're going to be an animal for seven years. And they're going to drive you out from men and you're going to eat grass like an ox. And Daniel had the privilege of telling his boss this. And so he's astonished for an hour. I just enjoy that little expression. Here we go. This is just for us to enjoy today. I hope you know my purpose. It's the Lord's purpose. Why do you think Daniel 4 is in the Bible? To teach us about what happened in the Babylonian government. What happens to high kings like Nebuchadnezzar. For us to take comfort that God's doing these kind of things. On a regular basis you just don't see them. Right. All you know is that someone starts acting like an animal. I named some names that I'm not going to name again. We fought a world war. Do I need to help you further? Then... Daniel 4.19. Let me get verse 18 so that you have the context. This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now thou, O Belteshazzar, declare the interpretation thereof, for as much as all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known unto me the interpretation, but thou art able, for the spirit of the holy gods is in thee. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was astonished for one hour, and his thoughts troubled him. The king spake and said, Belteshazzar, let not the dream or the interpretation thereof trouble thee. Belteshazzar answered and said, My lord, the dream be to them that hate thee, and the interpretation thereof to thine enemies. The tree that thou sawest, which grew and was strong, whose height reached unto the heaven, and the sight thereof to all the earth, whose leaves were fair, and the fruit thereof much, and in it was meat for all, under which the beasts of the field dwelt, and upon whose branches the fowls of the heaven had their habitation. It is thou, O king, that art grown and become strong, for thy greatness is grown, and reacheth unto heaven, and thy dominion to the end of the earth. And whereas the king saw a watcher and an holy one coming down from heaven and saying, Hew the tree down and destroy it, yet leave the stump of the roots thereof in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass, in the tender grass of the field, and let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beasts of the field, till seven times pass over him. This is the interpretation, O King, and this is the decree of the Most High, which is come upon my Lord the King, that they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and they shall wet thee with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over thee till thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. And whereas they commanded to leave the stump of the tree roots, thy kingdom shall be sure unto thee, after that thou shalt have known that the heavens do rule. And there's the interpretation. Daniel couldn't speak for an hour because he had such negative news to give to the king Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar wanted to hear it no matter what, because he was seriously altered by the dream that was given to him from the Lord. The tree was Nebuchadnezzar. The decree was by the Most High. Seven years are the seven times. We know that by comparing Daniel's use of time, times, and half a time, which we find is three and a half years in the book of Revelation, or 42 months, or 1,260 days, all describing the same period of time. So for seven years... Nebuchadnezzar, in his 43 year reign, spent out to pasture AWOL from his government duties. Is there any historical information? Not that I bring to the pulpit. It's vague and obscure. Listen, our government couldn't even find Saddam Hussein for a long time, and he lived in a small subdivision called. Iraq. They couldn't find Osama bin Laden. And he lives in a small little piece of dust called Earth. They can't find MH370. It had 400 cell phones aboard, 300 laptops, 200 computers, and was connected to radars all over the world. They don't know anything they can't figure out things. We can. We trust the Lord. Amen. The king was gone. When you read about Nebuchadnezzar's Nebuchadnezzar II is what he's called in history. Nebuchadnezzar II, he reigned for 43 years, but 7 of those years we know about because we're reading from the archives of the Babylonian government, written contemporaneously with the events. the kingdom would be restored to him after he learned that the heavens do rule. Can we learn that lesson today and just rejoice in it and believe it tomorrow and believe it on Tuesday? And no matter what we see in the news, we can still believe it that the heavens do rule? You know, we don't owe the media any respect whatsoever. Whenever we talk about rulers, we show them respect because the Bible tells us not to speak evil of them. But there is nothing about not speaking evil about the liars that make up the media. But you're going to hear things, see things, and just remember the heavens do rule. And verse 26 tells us that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will. It has been known among pagan nations like Babylon that they would allow Jupiter to rule in heaven, but Nebuchadnezzar ruled on earth. But not when Daniel's speaking. God rules on earth. Look what it says very carefully. This is very important to fully appreciate. Till thou know that the Most High doesn't just rule in heaven. He rules in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will. And that when you get over to 35, the grand statement that it makes, he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven. They would grant that because Nebuchadnezzar did according to his will in the affairs of men on earth. But look what the Bible says. He doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the world. Yes, thank you, Lord. Does God control minds? This king had a man's heart removed, a beast's heart put in. He went out to pasture. God kept him alive. God kept his kingdom intact. You know, the way that most of those governments worked back then, you would have thought about 48 hours later, some ranking general or officer would have had a coup and taken over the government. Or the Secretary of State would have or whatever position you want to think of, might have taken over the government. But it didn't happen. God kept those officers, his cabinet, his generals, content for seven years. And when he came back, he came back illustriously, because he humbled himself before God. It's it's a tremendous thing. Does God control minds? Of course. Why or how could you even imagine any other relationship to our minds? You think your little mind controls itself? Would you tell me what you were thinking in your first year of life? What are you thinking that isn't there because of inputs? You don't have a thought, an original thought. God gave minds to us. He can remove them by birth defects, accidents, or Alzheimer's disease. The whole chapter is about God's control the mind of Nebuchadnezzar the king. The only limit is that God never causes men to sin against their wills because he doesn't need to do that. They are always willing to commit any sin that he allows them to commit. Right. And when he allows them, I mean he permits plans and decrees that it's going to be done that way. And they are cheerfully happy to go along as long as it involves sin. It's hard for him when he wants to get them to do anything righteous. Then he has to regenerate them and give them a new heart and a mind by being born again. Next Sunday, John 3, meet the Lord Jesus Christ at night with Nicodemus. Now that takes more work. But to get a man to sin and do something evil is easy. Just let go of him. And he'll run like a wound up toy into any evil that you've directed him toward by constraining his activities. We've been through all that before. It's in a sermon outline called The Dominion of God. On our website, consider how much God directs and manipulates the minds of men against nature. Nebuchadnezzar had a dream that involved the future of his reign over Babylon. You may have dreams, but you don't dream about the future of the United States of America. Daniel was inspired in his mind to know the obscure dream and to prophesy the king's future. We're talking about mind control. First of all, for Nebuchadnezzar to have the dream, then for Daniel to interpret the dream. Then God took away this king's understanding until he learned the lesson. Then God kept all his cabinet and counselors faithful and loyal to their king while he howled at the moon. Then God moved him to humble himself and praise Jehovah and Daniel to the whole wide world. That's a lot of mind manipulation. Is that taught anywhere else in the Bible? Throughout the Bible. Throughout the Bible. I just showed you I'm going to send a lying spirit who's going to be in the mouth of all your prophets. Your prophets are going to lie to you, Ahab, and you're going to believe them and go to battle and get killed. Proverbs 21 and verse 1. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord like the rivers of water. He turneth it whithersoever he will. God turns king's hearts any which way he wants to. And he's done it From the beginning, he's still doing it. And you've got to believe that when you see some of the things they come up with. I asked recently, what's your favorite example of mind control in the Bible? Some of you like this one. It's Exodus 34 and verse 24. God called all the males of Israel to go worship at Shiloh or Jerusalem once the center of worship moved from Shiloh to Jerusalem three times a year. All the men left their homes they left their farms they left their estates they left their homesteads and they traveled several days journey to jerusalem to worship three feasts out of the year god said don't worry about it just do it the nations around you will not desire your property your wives your children or anything you have those three times every year now how long would it take a man to realize by since it was in print the calendar the ceremonial calendar of israel to know what three feasts the men were going to be gone every year, and then to watch it for a couple of years to see that it is true. Three times every year, all the men just disappear. We can overrun this country. Does that sound obvious to you? Why wasn't it obvious to them? Because God said they wouldn't desire your land. All of a sudden, they'd look at that big farm down there with all the flocks and the herds, and say, wife, why don't you bake up some cookies and take it to Mrs. Abijam? It wouldn't be Mrs. Brown. Down the hill. Get totally, they did not want to desire the property. However, in Joshua chapter 11, which is a few books after Exodus, verse 20, when Joshua took the armies of Israel across the Jordan River into the land of Canaan, he had 70 cities he needed to destroy. Now one of those cities, Gibeah, had come and lied to him, and he had entered into a covenant with them that he shouldn't have. So God to protect Joshua. That's one reason, and and it says so. And the other reason is it's hard to kill men when they're in bed. So so God hardened all the hearts of the Canaanites so that they came against Israel in battle, because when a man is, is wielding a sword against you, it's easier to cut his head off. It's hard when he's eating cookies in the kitchen with his wife or playing checkers on the porch with his grandchildren. It's harder. So the Bible says, Joshua 11 verse 20, he hardened their hearts to come in battle so that those two things wouldn't happen. Same group of people. Yes, he's in mind control throughout the pages of Scripture. You know, there was a prophecy written down by John in the first century, Revelation chapter 17, that describes... The Commonwealth, I mean, it describes the European Common Union of the ten nations that made up Europe for a great distance of time. And it says in Revelation 17 17 that God hath put in their heart to fulfill his will and give their kingdoms to the beast. Why would a political, civil ruler like a king give his nation and his authority to the Pope of Rome? It was written in the first century A.D. Did it occur during the Dark Ages? Absolutely. During the period of time of the Holy Roman Empire, the heads of state of Europe would come and beg the Pope for approval. He forced Pepin to wait outside in the snow for three days before he put a crown on his head with his feet to show that he was Lord of all kings in Europe. But that was written 1st century A.D. Revelation 17.17 God hath put in their heart the kings of Europe to fulfill his will and to give their kingdoms to the beast. And when the time is fulfilled he said I will withdraw that authority and they will burn that place. And they did. They took took a pope captive and put him in prison. Napoleon put a pope in prison in France and he died in prison. They abused the power later. And you know now, now it's just a laughing stock of real political authority. Surely attend their funerals. But that means they died. Do the heavens rule? When we look at verses 25 and 26, the Most High ruleth is in verse 25. In verse 26, the heavens do rule. This is a lesson of political science taught in the Bible. It's fundamental. It's basic. It saves us from all the distractions and deceptions that we were once involved in, jousting with windmills, giving out books, trying to save the world, didn't do a bit of good, didn't slow anything down, the world rushed on, the 60s were terrible, while this kind of education was being done, and it didn't do anything. This is the education we want. This is the book we want to read. This is the book we want to share. This is the insider information we want to share. Are you with me? They don't know insider information. They never have. It's insider information because they don't know about it. They don't have any classification to get to that information. But we are because we're the sons of God. So we are allowed to see classified events happening in the universe, recorded in the Bible, that happen in a spiritual realm outside of our sight. of There being conventions held where angels are assigned to take care of nations and to execute God's will among them. That's what we want to learn. Yes, the heavens rule. Daniel makes an appeal. Verse 27, Wherefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable unto thee. This is Daniel's personal reason personal appeal to King Nebuchadnezzar after giving him the interpretation. That's why he calls it counsel. O king, let my counsel be acceptable unto thee and break off thy sins by righteousness. Stop sinning, king, and start living righteously. Break off thine iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. You're an overbearing, difficult, hard taskmaster. Show some mercy to the poor if... It may be a lengthening of thy tranquility. Wonderful verse. Do you want your tranquility lengthened in this world? Break off your sins by righteousness and break off your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Let our church be known for both of those things. That we're a righteous church, that we want to do what is right in public, in private, in our families, in our homes, and that we want to show mercy to the legitimately poor, those that... God is made poor by acts of God that we want to intervene on their behalf and help them and God will lengthen our tranquility as a church. And if we do this and other churches do this across the country and it doesn't take very many, God can lengthen the tranquility of America. He has. He has for 50 years. We don't need very many. How many people did Abraham negotiate? Salem, Gomorrah, and the cities of the plain. A multiple list of cities in the plain of the Jordan. How many souls were needed to save them? Ten righteous souls. Is righteousness mentioned right here? So it's consistent throughout the Bible? Yeah. That righteous men will preserve a nation. Right. More than any army can preserve a nation. Because there's an army in heaven that all God has to do is send one private. <laughs> one private and it's all, it's all okay. Okay. And you know, when does God send his pr- a private from the host of heaven? When the people are living righteously beneath. Israel had fantastic military victories. Sometimes they would just stand and watch because God would say, Stand still. Yep. Did you hear Brother Chris go off this morning about flashlights? Are you going to remember that for a while? Going to go home and tell your kids about flashlights? Have devotions tonight in the dark with a flashlight? And a trumpet. And say, what if there's a man in here with a gun and I've got a flashlight and a trumpet? Is it going to do good, kids? Will I win? If the Lord's with you, easily. Right. What were those odds again? Did you say something like 4,500 to 1? 450 to 1? The heavens rule. Daniel appealed. Lengthening of tranquility. The Bible has this verse in Psalm 37, 37, Mark the perfect man and behold the upright for the end of that man is peace. If you want peace in your life, if you want peace in America, let's live righteously. That's what a revival is. That's what bringing God's favor upon our nation is, is living righteously. There's always hope of God's mercy. Did you see what Daniel said? If it may be a lengthening of thy tranquility. When God told David, your son's going to die. Did David say, okay, let's make funeral arrangements, or did he fall on his face and fast and pray for seven days? Because David understood God that he's full of mercy. And while God did not save that child, God immediately gave David another child whose name was Jedidiah, beloved of the Lord, whom he named Solomon. Did Ahab ever humble himself? Did God preserve him? Yes, he did. Did Hezekiah humble himself and get 15 more years after God had said, thou shalt surely die? Did Benassi get delivered from the prison of Babylon by the king of Assyria and put back on his throne in Jerusalem for humbling himself greatly in that prison? Amen. Yes. Did Nineveh survive by humbling themselves when God had said 40 days and this city will be burned to the ground? Right. Did it survive? Amen. Were they children of God? They were Ninevites, but they repented. Repentance is huge. The R factor that I preached to you a few months ago is huge. Nebuchadnezzar's response, verse 28, all this came upon the king Nebuchadnezzar. All this is pointing forward. Here's what actually happened. At the end of 12 months, he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. The king spake and said, is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? There he is proud. The whole reason for this event was to humble him. The watchers did not like his arrogant attitude against God's appointment of the basest of men to be kings. He thought himself something special, and that's why there are words like a base and basest in order to communicate the point of why the lesson took place, that rulers should be humble, husbands should be humble, fathers should be humble, pastors should be humble, everyone in a position of authority should be humble in how they execute their office. Lord, help us do that. His great glory, reigning power and glorious accomplishments caused his pride The city of Babylon truly was great, but it was by the blessing of God. Did did you remember those passages I read to you that were only a sampling, that God gave him those nations. God made him great. God lifted him up. God even gave him the beasts of the field. There were lions doing the work of Nebuchadnezzar. Literal lions. The ones that were eating the immigrants under King Assyria in the land of Samaria. They were back. How could this happen? How could you have a dream that troubled you and caused you to be afraid and then 12 years later you shoot your mouth off like this in your palace? Let me ask you this way. How can you hear a sermon in this church and go out of here and 12 minutes later forget it? Have you ever lost conviction in 12 minutes? Have you ever lost conviction in 12 seconds? Let's not pick on him for 12 years. I think he lasted quite a while. But I'm not going to say he lasted I'm going to say God was patient and long-suffering like he's been with you and me for a long time. When we get convicted about something and we get a lesson from the Lord, let's make sure we implement it now and we sustain it. We are set up as a church to be a big group of accountability partners for each other to do what is right and to continue doing it lest we backslide away from it. Then we're like Nebuchadnezzar and we can't read that verse and think any less of him than we do ourselves. The whole thing came to pass upon him, verses 31 through 33. While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O king Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken. The kingdom is departed from thee. Alexander the Great went down in the prime of life at 33 years of age, crying earlier than that because he didn't have more worlds to conquer it is said of him and he's choking away in his deathbed the kingdom is departed from thee god can take a kingdom away in all kinds of different ways the kingdom is departed from thee god took it away verse 32 and they shall drive thee from men the angels are telling him what's going to happen And thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make thee to eat grass as oxen. Seven times shall pass over thee until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will. You are in office because the Most High God that rules heaven and earth puts you in that office. So humble yourself and give him the honor that he deserves. Verse 33, the same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar. And he was driven from men and did eat grass as oxen. And his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hairs were grown like eagle's feathers. Those are long, thick, big feathers. And his nails like bird's claws. He had talons coming out of his hands. And he was out there like an animal. That was the event. And now we have the lesson. We have the summary. We have the beautiful verses that Changed by God's grace. I remember reading Daniel 4, 34 and 35, the first times around 18, 19 or 20 with understanding and loving this God so much and wondering why I hadn't seen it before and it giving me such peace and it giving me such power and it giving me such confidence to know this God that these things are said about. This is the God I worship. I do not worship any other God. I don't care if he's called Jehovah. I don't worship any other God than this God that operates just like Daniel chapter 4. He he controls the minds of men. He can jerk a man's heart out of him and put a beast's heart in whenever he wants to. He can put it back whenever he wants to. He can take 7 years, 7 months, or 70 years. He can do anything he wants to. And he does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can slow him, hinder him, or restrict him. And no one can question him. And that's my favorite. Can the pottery question the potter? Fat chance. Verse 34. And at the end of the days, how many days? Seven times 365 plus a quarter for leap years. At the end of the days, God's never off. That's why he can issue a 70 weeks prophecy that comes up four chap- five chapters after this in Daniel chapter 9 that was fulfilled, though written though written 450 B.C., fulfilled exactly from Cyrus to Jesus' baptism. Right. The fulfilled prophecies of the Bible that are now so current, we can show when Daniel was written, when Daniel 9 was written, and then find out, lo and behold, a 480-year prophecy fulfilled at John the Baptist baptizing Jesus Christ. I just wanted to work on the word times a little bit. And at the end, the word days. And at the end of the days, Daniel 4, 34, I Nebuchadnezzar lifted up mine eyes unto heaven. And at the end of the days, I Nebuchadnezzar lifted up mine eyes unto heaven. I was once a rebellious teenager. I had a wonderful father and mother. They taught me the Word of God. I was a fool. My eyes never went vertical, they were always horizontal. But th- at, th- at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me. And I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored Him that liveth forever whose dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom is from generation to generation. These are the words he started out with back there in the first five verses as he introduces his proclamation. And he's concluding with these words as well. i blessed the Most High. He's calling him the Most High. That means he's higher than all the gods of Babylon. I praised and honored him that liveth forever. There's no end to his reign. Whose dominion, that is his kingdom, his reign and rule as a king, is an everlasting dominion. And his kingdom is from generation to generation. There's no death or dying in his government of the world. And here's the best verse. Maybe. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. Sometimes you may think I'm disrespectful of men in general, of camel jockeys in particular. You may think that I'm disrespectful. I just want to ask you, what does God think of human beings, the human spirit, and human accomplishments? To help you, it's a short word. It's only got seven letters, and it starts with an N. An N. What does he think of them? Nothing. They are reputed as nothing. Nothing. They are reputed as nothing. That is, their reputation is nothing in heaven. Nothing. I love verse 35. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. Now, down here, they're reputed as something. They want to talk about the human spirit, they want to talk about human accomplishments, they want to talk about mankind and all that it's done. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. That changed my life. I didn't care about anyone. I don't care about anyone's opinion. I didn't care about their collective opinion together. Because God said they were nothing. Now, you say, is that the only place in the Bible that says something extreme like that? No. The rest of the Bible says more extreme things. If you go to Isaiah 40, verses 15 and 17, it tells you that they are all less than nothing. They are the dust of the balance, meaning they are of no consequence or no account in measuring the value of anything or any being. They are a drop in a bucket, meaning that when you are measuring something out by buckets, they are that portion that is left in a bucket that is of no consequence or value. And when you read a verse like that and God the Holy Spirit gives you comfort, do you think Cleveland bothers me? It only bothers me in this respect that they should all be terrified for acting the way they do, thinking that they have any authority or influence anywhere. And to be praising men like that. The last time when I read in the Bible about a man giving a speech, and men standing and praising and giving a standing ovation like that, that man fell dead and was eaten of worms. And yes, I believe that more than anything that happened in Cleveland. And I believe that the man that gave that speech and was eaten of worms was a higher and greater man than what was being said at Cleveland. When you read Daniel 4.35, what does it do to you? Does it give goosebumps inside? Does it fill you with power? Does it fill you with energy? Does it enlighten your mind? Does it it relieve you of fear and concern? Does it give you confidence and courage that God has shown us so many things and our God wants us to look at things like this? And God took Nebuchadnezzar, humbled him for seven years, and when he raised him back up, this is the lesson of political science that God wanted Nebuchadnezzar to know. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed in heaven as nothing. Next Sunday is the Lord's Supper. From nothing, he made us the sons of God, kings and priests. We reign with the Lord Jesus Christ. And he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven. What is the army of heaven? It's an innumerable. What does innumerable mean? It can't be counted. Number of angels. He doeth according to his will. Did he throw angels out of heaven because they sinned once against him in pride? He threw them out of heaven into the earth. When Satan came wandering in in Job chapter 1, when he had the other angels there reporting what they had been up to, could he ask Satan questions and get an immediate answer? Where have you been and what have you been doing? He can send Satan when he wants to to take control of David, to number Israel. And then he can forgive David for putting him under such duress. You never hear that mentioned again, though. Seventy thousand men died for it. What you hear about is David and Bathsheba because there wasn't any Satan involved. It was David's lust and laziness for being at home when kings were supposed to be out fighting. Satan couldn't touch Job without God's permission. Satan can't enter pigs without God's permission. Let me repeat myself from this morning. He doeth according to his will in the army of heaven. And he doeth according to his will among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand. No one can stop his hand and push it away and say, don't do that. None can stay his hand or say unto him, what doest thou? That verse should change your life. That is a God that is not preached. That is a God that hardly anyone knows. That is the God of the Bible. There's nothing throughout all the pages of Scripture from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22 that contradicts that verse. It's just summarized beautifully here. And this is a student that has been in graduate school for seven years under the mighty hand of God and the decrees of the watchers that he would learn a lesson that the heavens do rule and that he, among the basest of men, had been raised up by God and put on the throne. At the same time, my reason returned unto me. And for the glory of my kingdom, mine honor and brightness returned unto me. God restored him all the way back to all the glory and majesty that he had after being gone for seven years. And my counselors and my lords sought unto me, Do we talk about that he's able to restore the lost years of the canker worm? Right. That's Joel 2, but you may not need Joel 2 if you can remember Daniel chapter 4, verse 36. Seven years. Was God able to bring him all the way back? Amen. Was God able to do better than bringing him all the way back? Amen. Yes. Do you see the semicolon? And my lords sought unto me, and I was established in my kingdom. An excellent majesty was added unto me. When we learn the lessons that God wants us to learn, he can add excellent majesty to him. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all whose works are truth. What he did was true. What he said he was going to do was true. He fulfilled it exactly. It was all honest and above board. What he did to me and his ways judgment, they were just and... There was justice involved. I deserve them. This is the kind of humility that we always want when God has dealt with us, even when he has chastened us. I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven. And this went to all nations and all languages in all the earth. His works are truth and his ways judgment. And those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. And he ends his proclamation to the nations of the earth. Can we humble ourselves? Can we remember that any time we read of a proud ruler, a proud president, proud congressman, proud justice, proud judge, mayor, governor, any, don't worry about it. Those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. Right. Our God is in complete control. There are many other verses, and you've heard them before, like Ecclesiastes 5.8 that tells us that when we see a pressing in a province, or the violent perverting of justice, and that is going on in some places in the world that we shouldn't worry about it because there is higher than they. I haven't used those verses today. I just snuck one in. That's Ecclesiastes 5.8. All I wanted was to give you this, and I share with you what I call the grand statement of the chapter is in verse 35, and that is the God that I want you to love and you to embrace and you to serve and you to obey. Because he will get the glory over you passively or actively sooner or later. And I'd rather have you give it to him now. Right. Much more could be said and I'm not going to say it. I can send it to you if I need to. I sent you some things yesterday in the preparatory email where I listed 10. And they're not just limited. There's more than 10. I listed 10 things to consider so that you don't have fear or worry in your life about political events in this country or the world. And I beg you to consider those. Mm-hmm. The Lord convicted me, has convicted me about them for a long time because you've heard them piecemeal here and there. But I put them together yesterday for you, and I was going to review some of them right now and add some to them. But if you will think about those things, it will give you peace. You can go fish and not worry about what's going on in Cleveland or anywhere else. You can go to work and not worry. The Lord's going to take care of us. He can feed us a banquet in the midst of Babylon. He did for Israel of old. He can do it for us now. We can preserve this nation for another generation or two by God's gracious mercy if we will live righteously and pray for it. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word.